Today's episode is brought to you by Riddick Entertainment. Riddick Entertainment is a multifaceted event management firm based in Northern Virginia. Whether designing weddings, milestone celebrations, corporate events, galas, or charitable functions, their detailed creativity and precision event planning will give you a truly meaningful and memorable experience. They take pride in bringing your vision to Hello, friends and family. It's your man, Dame DNYDC, coming to you live. I uh, want to take a minute to shout out, you know, all our listeners, you know, emails, the sign-ups, uh, everybody that's been involved with, with the Two Mics Up show. Uh, it's really exciting to see everybody, you know, just signing up, subscribing, and, and sharing some kind words with us, you know, uh, through social media. Uh, you know, yesterday was Juneteenth. You know, that was a really exciting episode. Um, I hope that uh, our listeners have had a chance to listen to that and kind of go back through the archives and listen to some of our other episodes as we continue on this journey. Uh, Today is a special episode as a dad for me. You know, uh, a lot of the dads probably like myself have been fiending and dying for some form of sports. And today uh, Lisa has allowed me to kind of jump off the diving board and kind of dive into this, you know, we want to talk about what if, and when I say what if, what if, well, you know, we were able to form our own black football league, you know, and uh, we want to go ahead and just kind of talk about that with with all of you today. Yes, sir, and first, before we get the show started, I want to say a happy Father's Day to you, Brother Dave. Well, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, you enjoy this time because you deserve it. And I, Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that uh, you are a sports fan. Yeah, so yeah. I know you guys are feeding. No sports. Nothing happening. Least it's been hard. You can only watch but so much ESPN reruns. So many uh, NBA classics. Um like I said, even, like, we talked about it in the Juneteenth episode, funny enough, like I said, I didn't really know about black cowboys and rodeos. I've actually gone to watch some PBA rodeo shows. <laughs> That's how desperate we got, you know, for some sports. Looking for something. But something. Look, you wasn't watching bowling, was you? Uh, well, I like bowling, funny enough, but, no, I haven't. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't. So, you know, I, I just wanted to, uh, you know, start the episode and share, like, you know, like I said, I know many of us who are men and women actually across, you know, the nation probably are are starving for some type of sports. And what really got me on this, uh, this topic, funny enough, I was talking with my daughter and, you know, we were watching everything that was going on uh, with the NFL and baseball, you know, and they're trying to figure out how to reconstitute uh, their framework for returning two live events and even more so recently uh young brother Kyrie Irving who who, uh is playing for the Brooklyn Nets you know and I want to say this is just my opinion and a lot of this here we're talking about today is just from my personal view so I just want to kind of put that out there um you know and Kyrie Irving I think he's a great basketball player but I'm not a big fan of him personally but one of the things I do agree with you know he brought up the the comment or concept that NBA players Right now, they shouldn't return to work, and I I think that's a pretty it's a pretty good idea because you are the product. 
You know, that's your talent, that's your skill. And with the, you know, COVID-19 situation, you know, he's kind of along the lines of, hey, guys, maybe we shouldn't, we shouldn't rush back. And so is he saying don't come back because of COVID-19? Or is he saying it's a combination between uh, what is going on with the uh, Black Lives Matter movement? Or is that just totally separate? Or is it a combination so to be honest with you, from what I've read and what I've heard, I believe it's a combination. And okay. this goes kind of into like a lot of things that we've been talking about, you know, on our podcast and just in general. The climate of today, you have so many different things that are moving that kind of meld together perfectly. And I, I believe originally his... You know, all the movies and takeout and anything that they can do, um, but they're going to leave them there in the bubble. And his thing is, though, so this, in their mind, is the best way to quarantine, to keep everyone safe. All of these teams, this is the best way to keep these teams safe under quarantine. Now, ideally, I, I get and I understand it, but I don't think it's the best move only because all it's going to take is one player to break curfew or leave without anybody knowing. And let's just say, God forbid, he goes out and he becomes infected and he brings that back. Now you've got every other team that's there. They're exposed. That's one way. Second way is now I don't know how, let's say, the chefs, the cooks, the trainers and all the other um, auxiliary personnel that's there. Are they staying there as well during that period of time, or are they going to be coming and going? So even with that, you still have the chance of exposure, you know, happening or coming back and forth within the facility. So let me make sure that I understand. So is this going to be just during the season? Because they're out living their lives now. So So is this just going to be during the season? So right now they're compressing the season into, I want to say, uh, about 30 games. So what they're doing is bringing back um, the top the top 22 teams. And 22 teams, they're going to be playing a smaller season, a condensed season, to where it's kind of like you're playing in because only 16 teams actually make the playoff. Right. So what they've done is they've removed the 10 teams who they already know that are not going to even be in the playoff conversation. So there's 22 teams basically fighting for 16 spots. Okay. And they're, and they're going to be playing a condensed schedule but this, this schedule can take up to three months because once the playoff starts and then the championship start, this can, this can run on three months, uh, a three-month time frame. So will they be traveling or are they just nope. going to be in this bubble? Every, the every all the games. They're going to broadcast the game with no uh, spectators or hey. anything like that. Exactly. So everything is going to be held within the com- confines. All the games are going to be played there on site. There's going to be no fans, you know, just the TV crews. The, right, and I'm like... Eh, that, that sounds boring. That sounds like trash. Yeah, you, you understand? <laughs> it just sounds like trash. And I'll be honest yeah, with you. I'm, I'm with Kyrie on the sense of why am I going to go ahead and expose myself to any, any potential uh, sickness, danger, injury? Because now you're coming back where you really haven't played. You're playing on a condensed schedule. You know, you've got me, although you're telling me that you're going to feed me and I'm going to have all of these trainers and things like that, I'm with him. I wouldn't put myself out, 
you know, on a limb for something like this. I, I say the season should just go ahead and just let it ride out, and we'll come back and we'll reconvene next year, and let's see where we're at. So with that, you know, I figure, well, if basketball is talking about this, let's jump into the biggest sport that most American men follow, and that there you go. So, because by by far football is the biggest sport that that we follow here in America, and uh, I I kind of wanted to use. Um, a baseline, you know, I didn't want to go through the whole history of the NFL. So I just tried to break it down to within like the last 20 years. In the last 20 years, there's been uh, four leagues. And the XFL has actually been, is one of those that's been there twice. You know, they first came out in 2001. And then there was another league called the United Football League. Uh, They played from 2009 to about 2012. Then we just had the... Uh, Alliance of American Football, which actually was 2019, and then the XFL came back again here in 2020. So the XL, um, they're part of the foot, NFL Football National Football League. So they they're not a part of the National Football League, but these okay. are these were these four leagues. Basically, what they tried to do was play football in the spring. So when football ended in February, they would then pick up from February to like June or July so that it wouldn't it wouldn't compete directly with the NFL. Now the only one, if I remember correctly, the UFL, the United Football League, actually did compete with the NFL. So they played during the fall and they played in smaller stadiums in the same cities as the NFL. So they were like How a, did they out? Well honestly for the three years, I mean three years was a long time for a league to be be around during that time. And they did fairly well. And really the concept with the with the United Football League was a lot of people at the time felt that the UFL uh, could become like a developmental league to the NFL. You know, and I, this sidebar, so the NFL tried to do like a world league where they had football teams like in Europe where they tried to expand the American brand of football mm-hmm. on a world schedule. Mm-hmm. That, look, that was terrible. That that shit was trash. Like watching those games, it was trash. So it made it really difficult. And again, over in Europe and places like that, they follow football as soccer. You know, soccer is their sport. Right. So it made it it, it really didn't work. The the brand, the athletes, the style of play, it it was worse than Division Two college football here in the States. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that really didn't work out too well. So just a real brief. So the original XFL in 2001. So this was Vince McMahon. And I don't know if you follow wrestling right here. <laughs> I, I, I I'm not about to tell my age. But I remember a little something with Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Right. I remember that name. Right. So all, all of that was, uh, you know, done by Vince McMahon. Um, and early on, it was, again, it was like a second-class, why not even say, it was like a third-class football because what he tried to do was bring, like, that that WWE brand to football. And, like I said, you know, he had people like, uh, who was it, Jesse Ventura and uh, Jerry Lawless, like, kind of co-host with former NFL players. And he had, like, cheerleaders. I mean, hell, it was like... Uh, Nothing against working women, uh, 
who who dance for a living, but it was like dancers with pom poms on TV. And yeah, it was, a train wreck. The, you hit it on the head. The whole experience was a train wreck. Now, the good and the bad of it was, so some of the things that they did introduce, uh, the NFL did take. So, like, they have, um, so, like, now if you watch football, like, you kind of have this overhead shot, like the sky cam, where, you're, where you overlook the players on the field. So, the XFL originally, that was their creation. So, the NFL took that from them, and uh, the XFL was one of the first leagues to actually have players wear microphones on the field. The NFL also borrowed that concept now. So the, the XFL, the first time around, did bring some, some innovation and some changes, you know, to football. The UFL, again, like we talked about, went from 2009 to 2012. And it was basically that, that league, again, kind of built on the XFL in the sense. So the XFL didn't really have former players. They had one or two. Right. These were a lot of, I guess you would say, semi-pro players. Mm-hmm. The UFL uh, used primarily players who were former football players or who were on football teams. Okay. So that's the style of game was a little bit, it was a little better, it was a little more fluid. And like I said, it was a competitor to the NFL. And like I said, it was believed that they could have been uh, like a developmental league, but there was also a time, uh, I want to say it was like 2011, that uh, again, there's the collective bargaining agreement that is built into the NFL. They were going through a, almost like a strike where they thought that the, the players were going to walk away. And the UFL was kind of propping itself up on the hopes that if these players were to go on strike uh, due to the collective bargaining agreement, okay, that they would go ahead and be able to go ahead and pick these players up and bring them into their league to kind of give them more of a stance against the NFL. Uh, but that didn't happen because the players end up signing their contract with you know the union and the collective bargaining agreement. And okay. that kind of is what kind of killed, uh, killed off the, the likelihood of the UFL continuing on. Got it. Um, and then I'm going to fast forward again. So there was one other league, the American, the Alliance of American Football, which was last year. Uh, it was founded by uh, Bill Polian, who was a, mm-hmm. in, in the NFL, and Charlie Ebersol, who was the son of a, a gentleman by the name of Dick Ebersol. And he does, his dad kind of had like this... Uh, he did like classic films and classic sports on mm-hmm. old, you know, you can watch old film and video of old teams. And he kind of mm-hmm. put this whole narrative together. It's pretty popular. You know, men like to watch it. I know sometimes when I don't have anything to watch and that, that comes on, you just kind of watch. And his dad had like this voice, like this perfect voice for narration. Okay. And, you know, you just kind of got into it. So they helped form the Alliance of American Football. Okay. Uh, pretty much... The league folded due to financial issues. They basically ran out of money halfway through uh, its inaugural season, so they folded, filed bankruptcy, gone bye-bye. I, I, I just know the NFL is huge, so to compete with the NFL or even try to have the type of following that the NFL has is almost, so I don't know. It's almost if impossible I, to a degree, but this is why we'll get into like some of the things that I, uh, in my opinion, that I think are possible for, you know, that type of change to happen. Because this league, although they folded, they weren't strong financially. And that, that's a big thing. And sec- the second reason why I thought it would have worked, they actually took the time to build this league. So this league was actually two years in the making. They went through actually establishing, you know, cities. 
And with those cities, they establish owners who then in turn established coaches and the coaches established their staff and they created a draft. So I think this league was really on to something, but their biggest problem was financials. And then, I mean, let's just be honest, COVID-19 kind of wasn't really on the horizon yet. But even if they would have made it through their inaugural year, I think they would have had a big problem just like the XFL did when it came back this year. They ran into problems with COVID-19. Okay. And this version of the XFL was far better than the first version. You know, Vince McMahon learned a lot from his first failure. He, too, did the same thing like the American Alliance did. He took time to build new cities where they would play. He took the time to build, you know, a coaching structure, a general manager, a staffing structure, a draft structure, and they made the league very balanced. And I thought this, I'll be honest with you, I, I watched this version. The first three or four weeks I thought was was excellent. The okay. game, the games were competitive. You had and you saw there were a lot of players that came from that league, actually, that actually signed to the NFL uh, recently from that league. So there was very good structure and competition. But I think, like I said, there's something that we can do and learn from this to build, you know, a black football league. And, and I think it's possible. With, right now, we're in this whole pandemic. We're, we're striking a chord and a nerve with the, the movement and the black movement across America. Why, why not? Like, what if? Like, what if we did? And I see a way... To, to potentially do it. And yeah. You do say. And again, I just want, this is my opinion. So let's just say, right now, every NFL player, we're in, we're in that, that lost time right now. The NFL is not started yet, but they're kind of watching what's happening with the pandemic, how they're going to reconstitute their framework, when they're going to reconstitute. So let's just say of every black NFL player, and when I say every black right now, the NFL is 70% black. So that's every player, basically. Right. So when you think of that number, 70% being black, and I don't want, want this to sound wrong, but if I'm a ticket holder or a season ticket holder, I'll throw out a number, let's say $100,000. I'm paying for my skybox for eight games out the year, hopefully the playoffs. I'm not going to pay that type of money to watch athletes that are, that are not black. Let's just say what, the white athlete is not the draw in the NFL. I don't care how you cut it. You know, people pay to watch the black athlete. That, now, I, I, I know that's a fact. I mean, they, I know that's a fact. The numbers don't lie. So 70%. I'm not a football anything. <laughs> I don't know anything about football. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is 70% of anything. Okay. So that, that right there is, is your baseline. And that's what's the draw. For people to tune in every Saturday, Sunday, Thursday night football, Monday night football, the public That's or powerful. that. So I'm just going to throw out a couple of names. You may not be, but men listening will understand. So we tune in to watch the black athlete. You know, I'm a, I'm a Giants fan. So Saquon Barkley is like the big, right. Exactly. Whoop, whoop, go Giants. You know, he's the biggest thing going in New York. But when we talk about other athletes and these are brothers, Lamar Jackson, the quarterback in Baltimore, he was, uh, he was. He was up in the runnings for MVP the last two years. This this young brother has revolutionized the quarterback position. There's no, he's a triple threat when it comes to you know running, 
passing, just his instincts on the, on the football field. You know, people tune in to watch this this brother every week. Um, Patrick Mahomes, another brother in Kansas City. They just won the, the Super Bowl last year. A black quarterback, okay? We're talking about Russell Wilson in Seattle. Again, another black quarterback. We're talking about Julio Jones in Atlanta. These are all brothers that – these are names that men – you know, when you look at the schedule, whatever team is your favorite team, you want to see who they're playing throughout the season. These, this is what we tune in for. And like I said, if you take you take those names and you take their counterparts and you take them away from the from the NFL, what is the NFL? It's nothing. So to expand on that, so what if we do kind of like baseball? Baseball, for example, they allow our young players to come out. You can come out of high school and get drafted. Uh, by a baseball team. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a professional baseball player, but they have like a minor league system that you can kind of play through. But you can get drafted out of high school. Well, if we started our own black league, right? And we... we Football league. uh, A black football league. Okay. And I'm going to drop it down one level. So let's take out the college player, right? And when I say take out the college player, and something that... Briefly, you and I, when we were talking about this, you brought up a very valid point. So instead of having our kids go to D1 schools, you know, when I and D1 meaning, so in football, the, the powerhouse universities, let's just say, you take them out of Texas University, Southern Cal, you take them out of Notre Dame, you take them out of the North Carolinas, you take all of these big name schools. And let's just say... HBCUs? Okay. Have our kids go to their, to their HBCU schools. Because these programs, so each conference, so you take like the Big Ten, which kind of covers the middle portion of this country. It's a, it's a division that basically has its own network. So this network is bringing in $300 million a year. All of these schools, when they go to bowl games, they get money based off where they're placed and what bowl games that their school is playing in. All off the, all off the athlete. The athletes don't get no pay. That's what I was going to ask because I did I did read that I know that there's a movement going on about that the college athletes are basically not getting any compensation but they are they are playing full schedules and they're not getting any compensation and still have to keep up with their schoolwork so in turn the league or the school is making all of this money off of them and they're not allowed to get any uh, make any money for themselves. So, so like, I didn't know that part. So you're right. So these these young men, they they can't even get a stipend. Let's just say if they were given a stipend of, I don't know, $500 a week. I'm just throwing out a number. $500 a week, and let's just say on some teams, so you're allowed in college, let's say they could have an excess of, a, of 120 players for a home game. Now, all of these kids may not play, right? Mm. But what is $500 a kid for them to get $500 a week while the football season is in action when the university potentially gets a cut of whatever the network itself is making? So the network is making $200 million. And that that is split between, let's say, in the Big Ten. It's supposed to be, I think it's 12 teams in the Big Ten. But they're, they're all getting a cut, equal cut of $200 million. Then they get money based on how the school finishes and what bowl games they play in. So based on the bowl game, the school gets additional money. So again, you were talking about upwards of maybe close to $500 million for 
you know, the Big Ten to walk away with the split between all the schools, but the kids can't even get $500 a week wow. in stipend money. You know, and that, 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 that mentality is crazy. So, again, there you go. it's very systemic. We're, we're, and this is why I, I really want to talk about this, because let's just break it down and talk about what it is. We're seeing this on all levels. All levels. So, like you said, what if we took our kids and we directed our kids back to our HBCUs? Because if they really want our kids that bad, and, and I'll take it a step further, like we were talking uh, also, I'll take it back one step further. Let's go back to our high school kids. In our elementary school kids, because what's happening now in the day of modern, uh, modern day uh, media, they're tracking kids as far back as seventh and eighth grade. So you have people that are tied into schools and athletics that can now track a child from seventh and eighth grade, and they're you know letting the parents know, hey, we're interested, we're watching. So I'll I'll throw out another thought. Well, if you as a parent have a child that's an athlete that's being followed. Why not tell that booster, that sponsor, or whoever, well, if you want my child, or you're that interested in my child, why don't you come and make a donation to his school? Stop farming off our kids. Let's start far- stop farming off our kids and letting them go to all of these other places. Request that you come back and you give me something back in- into my community, to my child's school, because you want him that much. Hmm. Now that's smart. We the best. Now, we, now, like I said, I'm, I'm not a big sports person, but I do know business, and that sounds like if Black America is trying to come up out of the systemic, right. then we need to change the narrative on all levels. Yep. And that, what you just said, was powerful. I mean, but, but we have to think. Like I said, we have to stop thinking like. We have to do something for them. The one, the, the basic thing in all of this here, the, the property, the thought, the engineering, the ingenuity and everything is being made off of our sweat. It's being made off of our backs. So instead of giving it to someone, demand that they give it to you so that you keep it. You keep because it with you only. Yeah. Better, I can't even say nothing better than that because we are the ownership. We are that property. So own your own property. Stop giving it away. And if they don't want to follow that, then like you said, okay, well, instead of going to a D1 school, I'm going to send my child to the HBCU school because the cameras are going to follow that child. Wherever Where, they go. Because that's and the... Even, and even like you said, even if you break it down from high school straight to a league, then you don't go to the NFL go to the black whatever, whatever the black FL whatever you want to call it the black football league whatever but those cameras are going to follow that child LeBron James was the first one that, that proved that in this modern era they were following him from the time he was in high school he was on the cover of sports illustrated magazines everywhere so where the camera goes so shall the money yep Yep. You know, this is the type of thing that we have to really start to engage in and understand, you know, the value of who we are and what we bring. As a people, as a whole, this concept should be across the board. Mm -hmm. And to me, like I said, this is, again, my personal, this is something that I sat, I've been sitting down and thinking, I'm like, 
to me, it's a no-brainer, but to others, it may not be. Uh, but I think this is something that, with everything going on now, we can try to expand on. And well, yeah, and, and I think that what we're gonna what what the pushback is going to be is inclusion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, what about the thirty percent? What about those uh, athletes that of non-color that can play the football, the all-American sport? Um, they're going to want to come in where they where they could fit in. So, is that a situation where? They would be the thirty percent would be uh, allowed into this nope, league, nope. or it would be a segregated league. Nope, nope. I got a perfect. I got a perfect answer for that. They can go play in Canada because Canada has a football league, so they can go play in Canada. Because that's okay. what they. Because that's what they do to us. I'm just gonna be be real. With, you know, nothing against the CFL, the Canadian Football League is. It's an exciting league. Their game is a little bit different than ours, but a lot of our athletes who can't. Who can't make it in the NFL? They go play in Canada. So that thirty percent uh, that are not color, yeah, try Canada. Have fun. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. No, you know nothing against anything. So I just want the the there's the thought of, and I I've shared this with a couple other people, and asked me, well, how how would we be able to even um. You know what? What would how would we go about obtaining or creating a league? And you know, I bring up the XFL, which just the recent XFL, which just uh, filed for bankruptcy in April. The way it was set up for that bankruptcy is actually that league is up for bid. So let's just say we had a conglomerate of black uh, owners. You know, I don't know. Let's take your Tyler Perry's, uh, Oprah. Yeah, I don't know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Right. You know, these are our one percent. And let's just say we put together a conglomerate to go in and bid silently on this league. That would be a first step. And it's in that process, the it's a silent bid to my understanding, from what I read, and they're not going to announce any names or anything like that until the league is actually uh, announced, I want to say it was August 3rd. And at one point they were talking about how McMahon had tried to set it up to where he could come back and buy it himself because he didn't want, because I think there is something, the XFL in this most recent one, like I said, I think the, the platform and the way it was set up, it really was on to something. And it was really on to something that could uh, create a challenge for the NFL. Right. Um, so right now, to my understanding, when I read this yesterday, uh, there, the filing stated that over 20 parties have inquired about the XFL and have signed non-disclosure agreements. So right now, there's 20 entities out there. So what if we had one? And it's maybe not, we do. And may, who knows? Maybe we do. I pray that we do. I um, hope somebody doing it. It'd be nice, right? So all of these bids. So they have until, um, according to Judge Lori Silver Silverstein, who's the judge that's uh, overseeing the proceedings. They have until July 30th to actually get all their bids in, right? Now, a couple of things that are rumored in the, in the article that I read that the NFL itself is interested. Okay, so so understand that because the NFL is a brand, right? It's trying to hold on and stop any competition. You know, so the NFL itself is thought to be interested in buying it and using it as a developmental league. 
So again, we're going back to now, do we just remove our, our players from college? But now if they're creating a developmental league, I don't know how much that really helps us because they're on a developmental level. They're not going to be paying potentially what you could be making if we had our own league, right? They also saying that Fox Disney and, uh, yeah, anyway. Right. right. Yeah, I'm just going, yeah, yeah right. I'm just going there. Okay. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're interested in buying also. So those, those were the two prominent names. Now, like I said, if we could go ahead and let's just say we submit our bid and we were to win that bid. There's one other criteria that I see as being a problem. The NFL has CBS, ABC, Fox 5, ESPN, Thursday Night Football. They have all of these different networks and platforms to be able to show or air football games. So doing some research, and I just found out recently, like there is, uh, I think, uh, a network called TAN, the African-American Network. Who's to say, why couldn't we, again, have a conglomerate, let's just say, of your Oprah's, your Tyler Perry's, who actually work in conjunction with TAN, and we create our own jobs and have them spearhead educating uh, young black people on how to produce, produce games, broadcast games, uh, have them on the sidelines, just like sideline reporters. And why couldn't we use TAN as our own network to air our well, own? What about OWN? OWN is, is okay. And nothing, nothing against, nothing against Oprah. You know, it can be, but I'm just, you know, trying to think outside the box of things that we don't have that can also expand. Now, Oprah wanted to take own, uh, take TAN up underneath her wing and expand her platform. Great. But that's really the, the, the other key to making this work because we got to be able to get these games out. People want to tune in to see these athletes, but if we don't have a network, kind of defeats the purpose. Right. The last thing I think that would help is when you're recreating this league, but creating it on a minimum. And when I say minimum, so the NFL currently has 32 teams. What if we were to construct this league on, I don't know, 16 teams just to start and you break them down into four, four quadrants where you're helping to cut down on travel. So the NFL, you have a lot of travel cross country. New league, we're trying to save money. What if we break up the country into four quadrants? These teams play the majority of their games in those quadrants. So they're not traveling. You know, the expense is not that much back and forth, except for maybe one game a year. You travel interconference. That creates a rivalry. So if you have, let's say, New York, Baltimore, DC, and Philadelphia in one conference, you know, you know what the rivalry would be like? You know, right. and it, it creates that buzz in that local area and it's a natural a natural rivalry. So these these three things I think are important on creating or developing that black league. And like I said, I think the most important thing is when we walk away, the most important product or what we see every week is us. It's it's our own network, it's our own leagues, it's our own media, and we've removed that 70%. The most important piece of the NFL at the end of the day is us. Right. And so I'm going to play devil advocate mm -hmm. because we live in America. Okay. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Sounds absolutely good. But we we actually watched uh, what happened 
to Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. the fans. Right. So even though uh, we are 70%, the fans are of uh, non-black mm-hmm. descent. Right. So the fans that, that buy these season tickets, where would they go? Because some of them, you know, football is synonymous with America. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about the most of every one of them being on board. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to tread lightly here. No. On board with I get what you say. Black football league. Okay. Just like we weren't on board with the with the colored, you know, baseball mm-hmm. league mm-hmm. in our history. So where where would we be in something like 2022 or 2024, even though we stand in today uh, in 2020 in the climate that we're in now? Okay. So I think that's a fair question, right? So let's just say this. I, I look at I look at things always from a half full, never half empty, half full. So we look at American football today. So your big brands, your Nikes, your Budweiser's, you know, they're usually plastered at every football game, football stadium. Okay, so we take this league and we break it down and we we go to tier two cities uh, inside the same city or states that the NFL is already operating, right? So, uh, like I said, Nashville, you know, they got the Tennessee Titans or whatever. And let's say uh, we put a team in Birmingham. Right, the Birmingham, whatever, and we're playing a smaller stadium. So these stadiums in the NFL, let's say they're selling out a hundred thousand seats. And what if we take our league and we put them in stadiums that are fifty thousand, sixty thousand, smaller? And what is look? What's to say that let's say so Nike is the brand that everybody identifies with the NFL. What's to say Reebok wouldn't be interested in coming in and saying, hey, you know, we'll support. Because if we don't if we don't move towards that, how do we know? What if or what if Puma came out and said, "Hey, you know, we'll support. We'll we'll do your branding, your uniforms." Because Reebok used to be that for the NFL before Nike came along. So and Nike is on board, right? So again, with us. So right. So that. So who's to say we're putting? I I know we may be putting Nike in a position, but if Nike is not seeing any money coming through the NFL, what do you think Nike's going to do? Okay. But again, if we don't take that chance to put we'll that... We'll never know. We'll never know. And like I said, what's to say that, okay, so Nike doesn't, but what's wrong if Reebok decides they want to come along and support? What if Adidas wants to come along and support? You know, Puma, whoever. Or, or if we just get... Because we have plenty of, um, you know... Okay, so what if... Okay, so a lot of people... Uh, I think I want to say it's Under Armour. I think it was the brother out here in Maryland. Okay, what, what's to say, okay, we rock Under Armour? I mean, again, there's so many different... Okay, so Budweiser doesn't or, want to come along. John. Right, so whoever. You know, right. let's come... Uh, another alcoholic or, or beer company wants to come along and say they right. want to sponsor. It's not... It may not be on the level to what everybody is looking at the NFL. we got to understand the NFL has been established for close to 100 years. You right. Know? And, yeah, they have a foothold, but if you're taking away... It's, it's like you said earlier, systemic. Mm-hmm. What happened to the, to the South when the slaves went away? Their, their whole economic system crumbled, right? So, and I'm just using that analogy. If we take away 
the and I really don't want to call us slaves, but the, the labor from the NFL, of the NFL, of the NFL, and we put it to our black league. What will happen over time to the NFL? Either A, they're going to want to reach out to us and say, hey, what can we do to get you back? Or we're going to take the legs out from that whole, from the whole NFL, and it, and it will be a thing of the past. Wouldn't that be a glorious day? I, I would love it. Community and getting back to history on this celebration of Juneteenth and Father's Day, just to bring it back in full circle. Because I, when you look in our history, it was always, always about economic freedom yep. for us. Yep. Even when you look at the history, like you said, what 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 happened when the slaves were free? It crumbled, but look what they endured to get freedom. They walked away with absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. There was no wagon. There was no 40 acres in the mule. None of that. No education. Mm -hmm. No money. No absolutely nothing. And still had to endure the worst of what the United States offered as being free. Yep. And that was, you had the Dodge people who were trying to enslave you again. again. So these impossible odds that we overcame and they, and, and what they wanted was freedom and what freedom meant to them also meant economic freedom. And somehow that got lost with us today. Mm-hmm. You've never lied. You've never lied. And this is why, like, you know, I think it's important because we're in a place, you know, uh, uh, I was listening to a brother the other day, Brian Mitchell, uh, who's on the radio here, and he was upset in saying how, you know, athletes today are being selfish by saying that they don't want to play, um, that they should sit home, you know, by playing allows them to have a platform to continue speaking. And I'm listening, in my opinion, listening, and I'm saying I totally disagree because whether Kyrie Irving or LeBron James or, you know, whatever big name athlete in the NBA or even in the NFL, if they weren't playing, but you know, when LeBron James steps to the microphone, everybody listening. Yeah, it don't matter whether it's a basketball game or not. Everybody's going to listen. And his tweet or retweeted or make the news because he's always stood up for what was right mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more the nba always had a little bit more freedom as far as being able to uh stand up for what was right more than the nfl well, I will, because yes. they, they were able to they did have the platform to say you know we, we are we're against you know police brutality whereas in the nfl not so much and, and that's the beauty I, I will say the nba is definitely the most progressive league when it comes to uh, blacks, black lives, injustices. The NBA has always been very progressive. But like I said, with listening to him, you know, it, it sounds selfish to me because you want to see sports. And for example, like uh, he mentioned Kyrie Irving, or I mentioned Kyrie Ir- Irving earlier. Kyrie's going to make close to $30 million this year. And uh, Brian Mitchell mentioned something along that. Well, what about the players on the team that can't afford to sit out? You know, they only make you know, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars a year. My thing is, well, Kyrie uh, is in a position to tell his teammates, hey, look, 
this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to move forward to. I'll go ahead and I'll put together some type of fund or some type of uh, trust for you for this year. And he's in a, I mean, he could pay for five or six people on his team. You know, and to, we'll help. And, and, and what well, you How say? many GoFundMe's go around on Facebook to help me? Man, this is a cause. It's a cause. This is serious. And if we are really trying to establish our footing in this civil rights movement, we have to be serious on all levels. Yeah. Now, we, we ask for uh, people of uh, non-color uh, to be uncomfortable. Yep. We have to be uncomfortable, yep. too. I agree. And I, I think that that's what... You know, listening to him speak, and like I said, I'm not a big Kyrie Irving fan, but I thought it was probably, I said, this brother's actually putting in thought because, okay, whether he's serious or not about COVID-19, he is a product. He is the tool, and he is in a position to, you know what, let's push the agenda further with what's going on here socially. Because now, to me, it sounds like he's become socially conscious of what's what's happening, and he can make an impact. You know, and I, I applaud him. Just for being a, a person that's vocal about his thoughts and what he thinks that athletes should be doing. Because, um, I don't know, you saw the Dave Chappelle episode or the comedy? Yes, the 8 minutes and 46. Oh, oh my God. So, just in what he said, though, I thought it was powerful. Because he said, you know what? These millennials and these young bucks out here, they don't, they don't need to hear from me. They don't, they don't need to hear from anybody on my level or from my status. He said, because they got control of this. He said, but what I can contribute is, hey, if there's financials, if there's avenues, or, or you need to reach out or speak to someone, you know, and I, and I thought that was, it was powerful because Kyrie Irving is really kind of saying the same thing. Yo, let's shut this NBA down. Let's not give this any light, but let's be in a position that when these young, when these young cats is out here, you know, we're doing our part to help support them financially. Let's go ahead and talk to our contacts at Nike or whoever and open up doors for them because they're the ones that's pushing the needle. Right. I thought that was powerful. And I said, man, I never thought that I would hear Dave Chappelle say, you know, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But, you know, for him, the light went off. The Me best, too. The best thing I can do is, is really do nothing at this moment. And that would be Right, powerful. because they got this. Like we said in our last episode, mm -hmm. all we can do is push um, and support and push with them side by side because uh, the young people are going to change this thing, yeah. you know? And we have to be there and we have to just be in a supportive role because then they keep saying we're not our answers. And that's why I thought about this because I was like, this is another way in my mind, uh, once the protests stop, you know, to have a plan in place to be able to, if we're going to now boycott, um, I thought this was another way, just another thought, my opinions, my thoughts, my random ideas, like let's impact the system again on a financial level. And this is, this is a multi-billion dollar level. This is not a million dollar level. This is a multi-billion dollar level. And, and that will get someone's attention. Hello. Hello. And we're going to go ahead. And we're going to end it right there. I uh, I want to thank you, Lee, for allowing me to go ahead and, and talk today and kind of hog the mic and, and share this with the dads and some of our sisters out there who uh, enjoy or are missing sports. But I hope this is just something just to get people thinking and, and just talking and maybe, you know, create that, that buzz or that groundswell that, you know, maybe this is something that's possible. 
I believe. I believe in that. And I thank you, bro, for always, as usual, setting the platform and the tone for change. And happy Father's Day to you, my brother, and happy Father's Day to all our listeners. Go ahead and be great on this day. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Stay blessed. Two mics out. Two mics out. Friends, it's coming on that time of year where our opinions and more importantly, our votes will matter. Political Dragon understands this is not only on the national level, but also in our local districts. Many of us in the community have had enough, and we feel there is a time for change. Head over to www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash political dragon and order your enough t-shirt today.